Hey everyone, this is Patrick Cacciatore here with No Struggle, No Story. Here on No Struggle, No Story, we speak with highly successful athletes about struggles or adversities that they have faced in their life and how they've been able to overcome them to grow not only as athletes, but people as well. And today I'm super excited to bring on University of Hawaii beach volleyball and Western Kentucky indoor volleyball player, Heather Friesen, to share her incredible story. So thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to share. No, absolutely. You know, I think through a good friend and Ty, uh, Ty Henry, uh, you know, we were able to link up and, um, you know, he said nothing but amazing things about what you've been through and, you know, the adversity you faced and, you know, who you've been through all of it. So, you know, usually I kind of just uh, have you go straight into it and you can pretty much start wherever you feel is best. So. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, I always think it's important to give a little background of where I come from. <laughs> um, I'm from the Chicago area originally, and so didn't from a small town called Munster in Northwest Indiana. Um, I didn't grow up playing beach volleyball because Chicago is cold. So it <laughs> sure. was just the indoor volleyball life for me. Um, and that was like, that was me. That was the thing that I did. I did, however, I started out playing softball and I always said that my first, my first love was softball, but um, you guys can't see me, but I'm six one, so I'm pretty tall for a girl. Sure. <laughs> so I kept, I kept growing as I was younger and my older sister was like, hey, Heather, you should play volleyball. And so I went and tried Jumping out, for my, yeah, <laughs> I tried out for my first club team and I just fell in love with that also so it was my goal since like my freshman year in high school to play in college Absolutely. so then from there um, got recruited to play at Western Kentucky University uh, and I thought it was really random at first because <laughs> I'd never heard of Western Kentucky before but uh, it the coach there Travis Hudson is just absolutely incredible um, he's like a second dad to me still That's to this awesome. day yeah, so um, just had a super amazing time there. We had a really good team, which also helps. So we went to the NCAA tournament three out of my four years there. So that was fun. And you had told me that was the first time Western Kentucky had made the NCAA tournament, right? Well, we had made it before, but it was the first time that we had won a match in okay. the NCAA tournament. That's awesome. Yeah. So that was really exciting. Yeah, what was that experience like? Like, you know, with like the, with your team and building that culture and then getting that yeah. win? Yeah, it's always like, I don't know. We always felt like we didn't get much respect as Western Kentucky because no one, I mean, who's Western Kentucky? For sure. <laughs> you know? For sure. But so it was like, we had this tip on our shoulder and we wanted to prove to other people that we were good enough. Um, and they sent us out all the way to Stanford from wow. Western Kentucky to play in the NCAA tournament. And we were excited because we'd never been to California it's before. It's a sick experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'd never been to Cali and obviously I'd never been to Stanford, which was just cool in and of itself. So we played um, LMU the first round and we beat them. And it was just kind of surreal, honestly, like didn't really, it's hard to take it all in in the moment, but looking back is really awesome to just to be a part of history is cool. Um, and then, then we played Stanford next and we lost because they were number two in the country, but that's <laughs> okay. As usual, there are yeah. a bunch of ballers for anyone yeah. who doesn't know uh, Stanford volleyball, but for yes. sure. Yeah. So yeah, it was a great, great career at Western Kentucky. Um, but I was going into my senior year and realized that I wanted to keep playing volleyball. I wanted to get a master's and my coach was like, 
hey Heather, you can uh, play a fifth year in a different sport. And so mm-hmm. I just emailed every single school that had a beach volleyball program and waited to hear back. <laughs> and uh, somehow the University of Hawaii emailed me back. Wow. And I was like, is this a dream? <laughs> because, <laughs> because I had always loved the beach, like totally in love with it and always wanted to leave Chicago because it's really cold. Um, and Hawaii was like this far off fairy tale land that no one ever got to go to. So sure. it's like a month after that, I was on a plane on my way to Hawaii for the first time in my life. <laughs> Western Kentucky to Hawaii. It's a big change. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It was just like, two totally different cultures that's for Absolutely. sure no I mean that's a magical place though it's so yeah. cool and I mean no seriously that's got to be the coolest I mean definitely got the best of both worlds there yes <laughs> absolutely it's great yeah yeah but so going from Hawaii um so playing beach volleyball moving towards what was it kind of like I guess changing sport I mean I guess it, it is a very different sport obviously indoor to beach and what was kind of that process of you know going through you know this learning pro- this learning process just for the one year you were going to play yeah it was so hard yeah <laughs> if sure. I'm being honest um any volleyball players out there you know that indoor volleyball is way different from beach volleyball and I was a middle hitter in for indoor my whole life so all I ever did was hit and block and yeah. beach volleyball it's just you and one other person so you have to do everything you have mm-hmm. to pass you have to hit and block you have to set you have to play defense so yeah. it it was very humbling because I'd gone from being like one of the best people on my team at Western Kentucky to being one of the worst <laughs> at University of Hawaii so very very difficult but I've always considered myself a hard worker and like just very driven and determined and so it was just my goal. I was like, okay, I'm going to at least be on the travel team for this season. Mm-hmm. And it was actually a unique situation. Cause I, I um, graduated early from Western Kentucky. So I had that season. And then I knew that I had one more season the next year. Also. Oh, wow. So you had two years to, to get at it. Yeah. 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 So was- I was really thankful for that. Cause that first year was just rough. For sure. I think like for anyone that can be a really tough experience, obviously going into something, you know, new, new territory, so I guess, how did you kind of, you said you're super determined and hardworking. How did you kind of face that, you know, mentally? Did you look at it as like a growth opportunity more than anything else? Yeah, I definitely did. Um, I felt like even though I had been one of the top players at Western Kentucky, like my volleyball career kind of just started with me always having to work hard. Like I was never just that one that didn't have to do anything and was really good, you know? know? So Mm -hmm. um, I think it had just kind of been ingrained in me. And I know there's a lot of people out there who have to work really hard because maybe they haven't, like they have talent, but it's not like the super talented people that you see. So to me, it was just another one of those challenges. Like, okay, I know I'm not really good at this right now, but it was like, it was, yeah, just a challenge for me. And I love challenges and being able to say that I've accomplished my goal. So it's kind of exciting for me. And I, I really like getting to conquer challenges like that. Um, Cause I think it can tell us so much about ourselves as people. No, for sure. I can really relate to that. I've never also never been one of those naturally gifted people who, you know, just come straight out of the womb and, you know, yeah. incredible athlete, you know, I think, yeah. you know, it's amazing to see those people and to watch them and just, uh-huh. you know, how, how natural it is. But 
I think that that's a really cool point is that, you know, it's just another challenge to face. And that's something that, you know, every single person um, can really take uh, with them is that every adversity is more so just something to use, to grow from, and it only makes you stronger at the end of the day. And yeah. I think it's really, really cool. Yeah, absolutely. So you kind of go from going there, playing um, indoor, or going from indoor to beach, you know, you played two years there, have a successful career at Hawaii. And so where, where'd you go from there? Um, okay. Well, there's something in the middle of all that. It's okay. Um, so my first year went, went pretty well as well as it could have. And then, uh, going into my second year, once again, was determined like, okay, I'm going to be on the top team next year. That's my goal. I want to be the number one team. Cause I was on the like very last team that year. <laughs> So for my second year, um, I worked really, really hard and it was going into, it was like two weeks before season was set to start and my coaches paired me with the best girl on the team. And so we were the number one team and I was like, yes, I did it (laughs) there. (laughs) Yeah. I accomplished my goals. I'm so pumped. It's going to happen. Um, and then exactly a week before our season was set to start, I decided to go on this hike. And that's just the day that changed my life forever. So it was um, this hike called the Kawa Crater Trail um, on the island of Oahu. I don't know if some people have heard of it or not, but uh, it's known for being not the safest hike ever, Uh, but I'd always wanted to do it. So my friend had asked me the day before and I was like, yeah, sure. So um, we started this hike and it was me and... uh, five other people um and I was talking to the to one of the guys on the way up to the first waterfall and I was like man I better not roll my ankle or something because my coach would definitely not be happy with me seasons a week away that'd be brutal (laughs) yeah so I think it was kind of um a foreshadowing of what was to come later on in the hike uh so we were hiking for about an hour and then we got to the top of the first waterfall and this waterfall is about 40 to 50 feet high. And I had my GoPro on for that hike and it was strapped to my chest. And so I decided that I wanted to look over the edge of this 40, 50 foot waterfall. Cause how many times do you get the chance to do that in your life? <laughs> right? <laughs> so I turned my GoPro on and got a little bit too close to the edge. You can see in the video that my foot slipped on this little trickle of water that was in the shadows and it just came right out from under me. Oh my gosh. So I started falling down this waterfall and my first thought was, okay, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to grab onto one of these rocks. And my friend, Austin, who's at the top with me, he's going to pull me up. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah. So that's my thought. So I try to grab onto this little ridge, um, on the waterfall, but that's too slippery. And wow. so I kept falling just a free fall all the way to the bottom. And yeah, at this point, so many thoughts were going through my head. I was thinking, man, my family is going to be so worried about me. They're so far away. My boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, um, he was on a road trip in California playing baseball. So he wasn't there. I just was thinking like, I don't know what's about to happen to me, but I know it's going to be bad. Um, My season's a week away. It's going to ruin everything. My teammates are going to hate me. Like all of these thoughts going through my head. All these insane thoughts. Yeah. And then the very last thing I thought before I hit the rocks was, okay, Heather, 
you need to land on your left side because you're right-handed and you don't want to mess up your hitting wow. shoulder. <laughs> I kid you Falling not. down a waterfall and still thinking about yeah. volleyball, man. I'm telling you, yeah, my life was all about volleyball. That's it. Well, it was pretty amazing. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's scary though. Yes. So I ended up falling on my left side and I landed on the rocks around the basin of the waterfall. Um, it was good, honestly, that I didn't just land straight into the water because the water was only about three or four feet deep. So wow. I probably would have just shattered everything. Um, there's multiple people that have fallen from the same spot I have and they've died on impact, like because they've hit their head, whatever. I actually this met person, a girl yeah. whose best friend fell from the same spot I did and she died instantly because she hit her head. So yeah. That so scary. Yeah incredible so when i mean so after that what was um what was the diagnosis uh coming off of that fall yeah so um the first thing i realized when i came up out of the water was that i couldn't breathe very well so i tasted blood in my mouth i was like i know there's something wrong with me like of course i don't know what it is and my my thought was like i just want to get to the hospital as soon as i can because this is scary (laughs) uh and i had to wait for about 40 minutes for a helicopter to come get me to get medevaced out because my friends couldn't carry me. I couldn't walk out. We were too far in. Um, but once I got to the hospital, they told me that I had 10 broken ribs, my left lung had collapsed and I fractured my scapula, my shoulder blade all on the left side of my body, um, with some scrapes to go along with it. So that was the extent of the physical damage. Um, I also had to have surgery to get my ribs plated because they were so out of place. So about three days into my hospital stay, the doctor came in and was like, okay, we're doing surgery tomorrow. And I, yeah, I was not. Had you been through like like surgery before? I had had one surgery before it was for my shoulder. Um, I think a couple years before I just had really bad bad tendonitis and had a shoulder scope. So So um, nothing that serious though. Yeah, definitely not. (laughs) And this was like a rare surgery. Like how many people that often break 10 of their ribs and need to piece them back together. You know, <laughs> I, I can't say I've ever heard of it <laughs> to be right. honest. So that's unbelievable. Yeah. But, so you kind of, did you go through that surgery and then you obviously went through the surgery and then after that, I mean, did you go into like this extensive rehab process? I mean, what are you thinking throughout all of this? I mean, yeah. Like what is, I, I can't even imagine what is going through your head at this time. Yeah. Um, man, so many things. I think it, it's the first time it hit me that uh, my entire season had ended for me and that it was going to be a long road ahead of me was when the doctor came in to tell me I was having surgery because he told me that we need to do the surgery if you want a chance of playing volleyball again because the way that your ribs are pressing on your lung, they're decreasing your lung capacity mm-hmm. um, and you could just not be able to have the cardiovascular strength to compete ever again. So I was like, okay, let's do this. Yeah, exactly. But I, that was the first time that I had the courage to ask, okay, how long is it going to be until I can play again? Mm -hmm. And I remember he told me six months to a year, if I could ever play again. And I just started bawling. I lost it Mm -hmm. because as I said, it was this sport that I'd worked so hard for and had tried so hard to just, accomplish all my goals and it was just all crumbling in front of me so um that was really devastating but 
honestly, I, once again, was really determined. I was like, I'm going to come back from this quicker than they say. I'm going to make a full recovery. Um, I ended up training again, like in a group uh, about four and a half months after my accident. Wow. So um, yeah. That's, that's pretty impressive, man. Yeah. I was not, um, it was, it was so bad. Like I have this memory etched in my brain. So I, this is super random, but I was in Sweden training cause I had met this coach who wanted me to come yeah. and train in Sweden. <laughs> so I went, I went to Sweden to train and I was in this session with a few, few Swedish girls yeah. and it's terrible. And <laughs> we, we finished and one of the girls comes up to me and she asks me straight up, have you ever played beach volleyball before? And I was like, oh, my God. oh no, like almost want to just break down and cry right there. This is post-surgery or? Pre- yeah. Okay. It's after. Okay. It was like, like four and a half, five months after. Okay. And I, I was just like, in my head, I was thinking, if you only knew, if you only yeah. knew my story. John <laughs> through, of course. Yeah. So needless to say, it was, it was a, it was a tough recovery. Like I literally had to be built back up from ground oh. zero. How did you kind of continue to motivate yourself? What did you, cause I think, you know, what really plagues people when they go through, you know, an injury like that, you know, a surgery, an ACL, something, you know, of that caliber, what, I mean, what are you finding your faith in and how are you continuing to move forward when it seems like, you know, you don't even know if you're going to be able to play again. Yeah. That's a terrific question. Uh, for me, I would not have been able to make it without my faith in God. I am a Christian and there were some amazing God moments that happened after my fall. So I just want to highlight a few of those real no, quick. Please do. Please do. Yeah. So when I was waiting for the helicopter to come get me, um, first of all, there was a random quote unquote random hiker <laughs> who was on the hike who was passing by and he just so happened to be best friends with the air evacuation crew. So he texted them our exact location so they could get there. That's unbelievable. Yeah, such a blessing. Uh, Because like I said, I just wanted to get to the hospital like as soon as I could. So that was great. Um, And then as as I was waiting there, the helicopter was almost there. I could hear it in the distance. All of a sudden, this big group of my friends from the church that I was currently going to at the time showed up. So they just so happened to be on the hike on the same day at the exact same time. They didn't know that I was going that day Wow! <laughs> and they saw me and they were like, Oh my gosh, that's Heather. What, like what happened? So they instantly just started praying for me. And that was so like the comfort that I needed in that moment, you know, probably brought you so much strength. I could imagine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Such a tough moment. Yeah. And then one of the guys that started the hike with us had to leave by himself and go back early before the accident happened. And he told me later when I was in the hospital that, he didn't know why, but on his way back, he just got this feeling like he needed to stop and pray for us. Like this guy who hadn't gone to church in years, just felt this feeling from God, like I got to pray. And so he got down on his knees and started praying for us in the middle of the jungle and then kept going and then found out later about my accident and was like, wow, that's why I felt like I needed to pray. Just so crazy. Things that you just can't describe. Exactly. It's just God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing that I'll share. um, So the helicopter finally got there and then they put me on the stretcher and it was attached to a rope hanging from the helicopter. And I thought they were going to take me up into the helicopter, but they didn't. (laughs) 
<laughs> wow, so you were flying through flying through the air. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> I think I'd be I think I'd be scared. I mean, forget the accent. I think I'd be freaked out just from that. Oh my yeah. God. For sure. Um, I was terrified at first. Uh, they started lifting me up and I realized, okay, they're not taking me up to the helicopter. And there's like tree branches hitting me in the face. And I was just thinking, what is my life right now? What is happening? What's going on? Yeah. But then as soon as I got through the trees, I will never forget that moment. It was just such a beautiful day. And I remember the sun was out and it was shining in my face and I'd been so cold laying in that water and the sun was just such a welcome warmth that I needed in that moment. And this helicopter ride, although it sounds so terrifying, was the most peaceful moment of my life. And I say that because I felt God's presence with me in a way that I never have before in my life. And I knew that he was with me, strengthening me. And I just kept repeating myself over and over again, God's got me. I know I'm going to be okay. And it was like this just insane moment of peace that I needed before all the chaos happened again. So that was incredible. Wow. Yeah. No, that's, I mean, that, I mean, one of those I feel like would be incredible to share, but I mean, all four is that's, that's awesome. And so yeah. you go back and you go through this. I mean, did you, I mean, how much faith did those experiences give you throughout that whole process of coming back, just knowing that, in your, and maybe what many could quote unquote be one of your darkest moments, um, you know, that there was so much light to still take from it. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because I regularly call this day, both the worst day of my life and the best day of my life. Mm -hmm. And some people would be like, how could this be the best day of your life? It was terrible. But <laughs> just the things that I learned from it and the way that I saw God work in my life, just unparalleled. And I think before this accident, I was kind of searching a little bit and like, didn't really have a true relationship with God. And I think a lot of times people can think of the word religion instead of true faith. And so just like trying to act out our religion and like be obedient to God when really he just wants a relationship with us and wants us to love him like he loves us. And I think I finally realized that in this moment because um, he saved my life. Absolutely. So I knew that since he saved my life, that there was some divine purpose that he wanted me to serve with the rest of my life ahead of me. And honestly, that's what really kept me going in the recovery process. And this happened, gosh, almost five years ago now. And it's what's kept me going every single day because I know that he, he's the one who saved me. And if my work on earth was done, I would have been taken that day, but he wanted me to continue and to serve his purposes. Um, so that's, that's truly been uh, my motivation and how, yeah, just strengthened my faith so much, like in unimaginable ways. And so for that, that's why I'm able to call it the best day of my life. Cause who knows where I'd be without it. I'd probably be some prideful volleyball player somewhere <laughs> but this definitely humbled me more than anything else in my life I think that's amazing like what an incredible story and it's really shows you that even some of the toughest experiences end up being probably the most valuable 
to Absolutely. so many people around the world. I think that's, you know, what an amazing point that you can take from it. And kind of moving forward, you talk about how it shaped you as a person. Um, you know, you found your identity and your faith on this day. Um, what are some other things that you maybe found your identity and that you hadn't learned before this accident? You know, because I think losing your sport, something that was, you know, in a lot of ways, your life, you know, prior to this incident, it can be really frightening for all athletes or just anybody in life to lose something so important to them. So what kind of processes were you going through and what um, other things were you maybe finding your identity and, you know, moving yeah. forward after that? Yeah, great question. Um, one of the main things that my identity had been placed in my whole life, like I said, was volleyball. So mm -hmm. volleyball was just an idol in my life. And that was something as an idol that I was placing above everything, including God. Um, so I finally realized that after my accident, uh, I think that's really applicable, especially to people, athletes right now, because with this whole COVID situation, 100%. yeah, it's been so hard just, and I feel for every single athlete who's had their season taken away, who's had their plans ruined because of COVID. And I know exactly how that feels because I've been there. Um, and I think it causes you to confront this question of where does my identity lie? Like, is my sport everything in my life? What am I without it? Because we can't play our sport forever. Like we're going to get old and we're going to not be able to play anymore. Absolutely. Even if you play professionally, there gets a point where you just can't do it anymore. So can't it's like 80 grinding the tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That'd be pretty epic. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's like, who am I without my sport? And that's kind of what I was forced to ask myself. Um, so that's what I would encourage every athlete listening to this to ask yourself if you're, if your um, season, your career, your whatever has been just totally tainted, messed up because of COVID, just ask yourself, what are you without, without your support? Because I think it's shown us um, exactly the answer to that question. Um, so that's one of the biggest things that I've realized. And then um, there's just so many idols that we can have in our lives. So many things that we can identify as like the list just goes on and on. We can identify as a husband or wife foremost, or a son or daughter or uh, whatever our job is, or we can place our identity in this cool car that we just bought or money in general. Absolutely. There's just so many things. And I, for myself, another um, idol that I had in my life before I met my husband <laughs> was boys because I was like, I, I just want to feel love from someone. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't placing, I, I wasn't going to God for that. I was trying to go to other people for that, okay. if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, those are some just identity crises that I've had in my life. No, and I think, I think the beautiful thing about what you just said is, you know, when you ask that question to yourself is that so many athletes will have trouble answering that. And yeah. I know I did prior to the pandemic. I think that was a question I couldn't have answered. Um, yeah. And when our season was taken away, you know, you really had to take a step back and you had to say, well, like, what do I do now? Like, there's no end in sight to this. I don't know when I'm going to be able to even, you know, for me is hitting a tennis ball again. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think, you know, sitting back and realizing that every single person has so much more self-worth than just that sport. You know, I yeah. think 
you know, sports, I've always been a big believer that sport, you're not good at your sport because of the sport. You're good at the sport because of the characteristics that show through, you know, the, um, your playing and your adversities and yeah. things like that. And I think what you said is amazing because I think it's really encouraging and it's actually really relieving for athletes when they realize that they're so much more than a tennis player, a volleyball player, or, you know, whatever it is that they mm-hmm. do. Yeah. I love that point. It's relieving. It really is. There's freedom in that because if we're tied to our identity and our sport, then we place so much pressure on ourselves and we're really just living for the accomplishments in life and um, the things that we can do on the court or on the field, wherever, wherever our sport is. Um, And that's really dangerous because those things are just momentary. They're going to pass away, but there's so many more important things in life than than just getting first place in a tournament or something. <laughs> I think it, I think that's a really cool point. So, I mean, moving forward, you have this, you know, you form this identity and I know you're still playing beach volleyball uh, mm-hmm. professionally, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so like kind of this experience and this new identity, has that helped you become a better beach volleyball player through it? Yeah, I, for sure. I think there's, I put a lot less pressure on myself. Um, and I think it's still a trap that I fall into, honestly. And I'm not perfect. I think it's a daily reminder. I've got to remind myself that like I'm more than just my sport every day when I go out to practice, but um, it's just made me realize that, like I said, God saved me for a reason. And Mm -hmm. if he wants me to continue to play the sport, he's going to find a way for me to do that. Um, And it's just shaped even outside of my sport, my everyday life. Like I know that um, my goals are bigger bigger than they used to be as far as like I'm not so tied down to just my little bubble but I'm thinking about like how I can affect um more than just the people around me like the world around me um so it's just yeah just a total and complete attitude change honestly for sure I think you said you fall down the trap sometimes like we all do right I think all athletes really struggle with this exact point what are, uh, what are some things you do to kind of remind yourself of that bigger picture that, you know, you're talking about? Um, yeah. you know, what are some processes you kind of go through for that? Yeah. Um, well, first I think most practically, um, for me, since I'm a Christian, if I, I think the hardest thing for me and growing up, I saw it, the, the, the angriest moments in my life are when I lost volleyball matches, honestly. Like, <laughs> I, I think we can all relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> I remember myself getting so angry and I'm typically not an angry person. So, um, but it just, that competitor in you just gets unleashed. So oh, yeah. that fire, that fire, uh, it's there. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is. It's still there. Like, so there are moments still when I'm in the heat of competition or even just in practice and mm-hmm. something is just not a good day. Things aren't going well. And I just feel like that anger bubble up inside of me. Mm-hmm. Like, I know you probably know what I mean. Oh, I know. Trust me. (laughs) Yeah. And I, the thing is, I'm better at recognizing it now. And now for me, I just instantly pray. Mm -hmm. I just say, whatever. I mean, I don't know. I'll say, God, please take this anger away from me. I know that this doesn't even matter right now. I just want to be able to honor you with my sport and not show this anger towards whatever I'm angry towards right now. Um, so for me, I just always turn to prayer first. And usually that brings a peace about me. And then I think it also changes my perspective because also again, as athletes, like we think that what we do on the court is going to just change the world, but like (laughs) we're one little person in 
this world. Like for me, beach volleyball is not even that big of a sport. It's not like I'm in the NFL or something. So like, it's really not that big of a deal. And I just have to continually remind myself of that. Um, I think that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I think like, you know, for Christians, I think that's the most powerful thing. Absolutely. I mean, being Christian myself, I know that there's nothing more powerful than just giving it to God and realizing that it's, it's not about me anymore. Like this is not my plan. He has, he has a plan for me. That's so much bigger than all this. Um, But I think that for anybody who's also like not, I think a a Christian athlete, I think that can also be compared to really just kind of relinquishing like the result and kind of just letting it, letting the process be a part of it. And so kind of just realizing that we're doing the right things and that's, what's really going to pay off. And I guess um, that's really where the strength can be taken from, I believe um, is kind of that process. And so, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I guess kind of that process, I guess you call it a process oriented mindset, right? And it's so powerful for, you know, all athletes, I I really believe. And I guess is that kind of something that you look to sometimes as well as just kind of realizing that those results and, you know, yourself as a beach volleyball player, it's not always in your control. Yeah, definitely. Um, And I think I like what you said about how it's about the process and just having a process driven mindset instead of results driven, um, that's huge because that's what I've learned from beach volleyball. Like I said, going back to the beginning, I mean, I sucked when I first started playing (laughs) beach, (laughs) but I had to stay focused on the process and know that if I put in the work, I knew I was going to get better. So I think, um, yeah, we definitely need as athletes to continue to remind ourselves of that, of, of that, because it gets hard when you're in the moment and especially during COVID when we haven't competed in forever, that's very difficult. It's been really hard for me, but if we just keep staying focused, keep staying patient. Oh, patience is a huge uh, thing. The big one. <laughs> yeah. Because if you're not patient, then you're not going to make it very far. So yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, we all got to start somewhere, right? And exactly. I think- I think that's the key is just kind of accepting. Uh, I think another part I think that is a really big Christian faith is just accepting yourself for where you are, where you, where you're at yeah. you know, right now. And I think that's been something really important for me. I think for all athletes who are kind of going through anxiety and stress and so many feelings, you know, like you said, coming back, you know, I think everybody's kind of on that, in that wave of getting back to their sport. And what has that been like for you, you know, coming back competing? I know for me, like the stress and the emotion and, you know, the nerves and all of those things that, you know, we forget about, I think when we haven't competed for so long, what has that process been like for you kind of coming back in? Yeah. Oh man, that's hard. Um, It's just been weird because the entire case of the AVP season, that's the professional beach volleyball league in the U S everything got canceled this this year but they just did like a three-week uh series for the very top people and i didn't have enough points to make it into that so i've just competed in like three three other tournaments this year um outside of that and like you said when you haven't competed in a while you start it you start competition and like those nerves come back and you're like oh my gosh i forgot what this is like absolutely <laughs> for sure yeah um and i don't know I, I i just feel like that never goes away though like if you're a true athlete true competitor you're going to have those nerves going into every competition um but i would say 
I think going back to the patient's aspect, like we need to be patient getting back into it because if we try to rush things, we're going to hurt ourselves. Um, I personally, the gyms in California have been closed for, I don't even know how long now. And that has been terrible for me because I love working out. I love I lifting like, weights. <laughs> I, I feel you on that one. Yeah. I'm for sure. Yes. <laughs> so that's been really rough because I feel like that's a big part of who I am as a player. Like I, I, and I like playing off of that. Um, and so it's been hard to not get to work on building my strength. Um, so I know that once the gyms do open back up again, I need to not just lift a million pounds when I go in there because I'm going to hurt myself. So I think that's what I've learned, like just staying patient and, uh, being open to all the changes that are happening. I've never been good with change, but, um, I think this year has taught a lot of us to be uh, more open to change and just going with the flow because we can only control the controllables. So we can control our attitude, our effort, things we've probably all heard before as athletes. But um, yeah, I, th- I think that's really key to transitioning back to competing. Yeah, Rome wasn't built in the day. That's for sure. Yeah, exactly. I think, um, yeah. And I guess kind of, you know, moving into the last few questions here, I think, you know, the one I would be is, you know, through this, you know, um, unique experience that you've had as an athlete, you know, like you said, you know, your toughest, one of your toughest experiences with that waterfall, but also one of the best, um, what is the biggest learning lesson that you could, you would give to other athletes or the biggest piece of advice you would give to other athletes to take, you know, from your experience? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I've kind of touched on it a little, but I would say don't let your sport become an idol in your life. And I think we all do as athletes, but once when you're faced with the situation, like I was where everything flashes before your eyes, you, it really puts things into perspective for you. And I just hope that through my story, people can learn from it and not have to learn the hard way, not have to fall off a waterfall. Like I did (laughs) to (laughs) learn, to learn the things that I did. And I've said recently, like we all have those waterfall moments in our life. Like we're not all going to fall off a waterfall like I did, but we all have those hard moments where we go through a trial and we have to move forward. But are we going to, are we going to live in that trial and live in negativity or are we going to take something from it and move forward and make ourselves better from it? So I think that that all kind of intertwines um, with each other. But the main thing that I really try to tell athletes is don't let your sport become your idol. There are so many bigger things in this life, whether you're a Christian or not, there's so many more important things. Um, so that's what I hope everyone will take out of this. And if you're wondering what an idol is, you're like, I don't really understand what that means. There's, I've, I've heard before, there's two questions you can ask. What do you spend the most money on? And what do you spend the most time thinking about? That's and awesome. Yeah. If you ask yourself those two questions, then I really think that that will reveal what an idol or idols are in your life. Sure. I, I, I can't, I don't know where, but I swear, I think I've just heard that too, but uh, <laughs> no, that's, I think that's amazing. I think, you know, all athletes will find that their life drastically improves once they, you know, start to look at life like that. And yeah. they really learn that, you know, your confidence naturally will build once you realize that you are so much more than that. And your self-worth comes from who you are as a person rather than what you do as a player. Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. So, and then, okay, so let's go. We got, I've got four little rapid questions for you real quick that we can, uh, we can close this out on. All right. Let's do it. Okay. Indoor or outdoor volleyball? Outdoor. Okay. Hawaii or Kentucky? Uh, Oh no. You're going to make me choose. (laughs) Oh, there's so many good things about each. I guess I'll say Hawaii. That's okay. It's tough to be Hawaii. I'll be honest. It's tough for anyone to be Hawaii. Uh, Christmas or Thanksgiving? Christmas. Okay, good. I mean, that, 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 that's always got to be one, right? Uh, <laughs> and last one, favorite hobby? Uh, oh, this sounds so lame, but I'm going to say reading. <laughs> I mean, man, you're, uh, you're preaching to the choir here. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you, I, I swear, I, uh, I'm going to say I'm a reading junkie okay, too. Okay, good. You got to continue uh, to learn, right? Exactly. Uh, gotta... Yeah, a little bit less lame. We'll, we'll say cooking also. I love cooking, cooking or I, I tell you what I can, can bet a lot of other people have found that during COVID but yes. I mean all the restaurants and stuff for sure but yeah definitely absolutely but uh Heather thank you so much for coming on today and you know I was so inspired from hearing your story and you know just really grateful to have had the you know experience to speak with you and you know what an amazing opportunity you know for me and for so many people to be able to hear it yeah thank you so much for having me I really appreciate it yeah, you got it. I'm super excited for everyone to tune in and y'all go look at, follow her on Instagram too, uh, Heather Friesen and check it out and, uh, give, uh, give the podcast a listen, please. So thank you all so much. And thank you, Heather. Yeah. Thank you.